barely there. All right. We're ready to party. We're live on Beauty. Instagram. We're live on YouTube. Now I got to cover everything up because if I watch myself in like the delayed YouTube version of things, I, um, I get confused really easily. Understood. Um, just waiting for some dudes to join the YouTube and then we can, um, I'll just make sure where everybody can hear everything over there. Cool. 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 I was going to wear that. Oh yeah. But then we would look, that'd be a little cheesy, right? Yeah. I know. So I was like that. And I've got my lights like way up over there. So then I've got this weird shadow thing going on. <clears throat> I'm trying to do like the low key, like just sitting in my basement with this one. No, it's just like off the cuff. It's nice. Where's the whiskey at, fellas? Yeah, I know. Well, All the whiskey's here. So I'm drinking Laphroaig 10. Sorry. Hey, there you go. Oh, man. It's good stuff. For anybody who doesn't know, um, it was so funny because I met with somebody the other night, and I, I've known this person for like 10 years, and I, I mentioned something about being sober. And they looked at me, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, man, I've been sober for 14 years. Like the whole time we've known each other, I've been sober. And I think, um, yeah, not not a lot of people know that um, about me. Because personally, I don't really give a shit. It doesn't, yeah. like, it's not really like a defining characteristic. Hang on, I need a fan as always because I'm fucking sweating. No worries. So a little bit off topic, I just finished my first uh, posing session with my posing coach. Oh. Cool. So How that's, I go? it's, it's weird, dude. It is weird. <laughs> like, yeah, you're basically, so I had to like, I had to set up in my other studio and, uh, it's the first time I ever met him. He was the head, uh, head judge for BC for 20 years. Wow. Um, and he does these things and it's like, yeah, man, you get down to it and it's like, yeah, quarter turn, you know, you know, relax front, relaxed quarter turns back relax you'll walk through the seven mandatory or eight mandatory poses and which by the way relaxed actually isn't relaxed like yeah it's kind of like like awkward looking right yeah, with the lats yeah, totally. out and the arms out totally yeah, man yeah. it's um yeah it was a trip but you know what's kind of funny in life like i think we were talking about a little bit about creativity and i think we've had similar conversations about learning in general yeah um and I think you can be a lot more successful with systems than without. Yeah, because absolutely. Even in my head, I was like, I still got a bit of fluff to shave, right? And so I didn't really want to pose in front of anybody. I didn't even really want to practice posing because it, it does not make me feel good about myself. It does not make me feel like, oh, I really want to get on stage in my underwear in front of a fucking thousand right. people. Right. That's not what occurs. What occurs is like, are you an idiot? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> so in my mind, I was like, um, <laughs> sorry, somebody just commented something in YouTube. That's the only bitch about these lies. It's like, I'm trying to keep track of whatever he's saying. But anyways. Um, well, someone on Instagram just said, you strip down and do it in the gym between sets. That's yeah, I mean, that is, <laughs> I train at West Coast Iron. There's lots of dudes stripping down between sets. Um. Well, and it's funny that uh, my buddy Greg, do you have volume turned on on something or is that me? Um, I've got my Instagram volume down as low as it can go, but it's right. still there, barely there. I think it'll be fine. Okay. Um, 
my buddy Greg was just commenting that he was, I made this post, this asshole post about people hanging on on treadmills. Cause right. like one of my pet peeves in life is these morons who crank the treadmill up to like 15 incline and then hang on for dear life. And it's like, yeah. you're not doing anything. You are just go yeah. flat and let go is the same yeah. thing as yeah. incline and hang on like yeah. equal opposite exactly. force Newton. Like we covered all this in grade school. Um, but funny, what I just went and bought myself today because I was sick of doing cardio, all my cardio at the gym. I saw it. That's yep. awesome. Yep. I saw it on Instagram. I got myself a new recumbent bike. I already did 40 <clears throat> minutes of cardio today. And here's the deal, man. Like cardio is getting to be such a big part of this. I have to do 35 minutes a day, six times a week. So I get to the gym and have to do 35 minutes cardio. And then I, I have to go do my workout and with calories getting to the point where they are, it's like, I'm getting like hypo. Like I get the yeah. shakes after the cardio and then I'm like, I'm supposed to go lift now. So the new routine is going to be do the cardio in the morning, yeah. make my coffee. It's pointed at the TV. I can come down here, just put on some like, you know, YouTube shit, sip my yeah. coffee, do just a light 35 minutes on the, on the, on the bike and kind of get warmed up. Yeah. Anyways, okay, back to what we were saying about systems. So I didn't want to start posing. And then I knew this guy was a posing coach, and I just happened to see one of his posts the other day, and he mentioned that it was 17 weeks out to my show. And he said, like, not mine specifically, but he right. said, you know, this show 17 weeks out. If you haven't started yet, now is when you need to start practicing posing. And he kind of laid out this little mini routine. And I was right. like... That's it. I'm like, I got to start. And even just the half an hour that he spent with me, like I felt very awkward. And it's like, I don't have to look good to feel better about this, like to feel more comfortable. And so, yeah, we he, he taught me a bunch of stuff. And then um, he uh, we set out a practice regiment. So I got to do two 15-minute sessions a day. And there's different things I got to do during the the different sessions and even just having the system, I already feel more confident because I know just having the system is going to put me ahead of like what? 60% of the competition. Sure. Like just right out of the gate. Boom. I don't even got to worry about half you guys because I know you're not going to do, you're not going to be this committed even just to have a system. And then I think the more committed you get to the system or the more intense you can get about stuff, the more you chip away, like, oh, there's another 3% of the competition and yeah. there's another 7%. Like, I'm not a genetic freak. So, like, the only way I'm going to do good at this is just by working harder and being more disciplined. Which is basically how you roll. Like, that's been kind of like, I mean, just in our conversations um, over the last couple of years, is that you don't want the work ethic to be the thing that gets you. That's not going to be the thing that's, that's going to be, you know, where you fail. Yes. You're going to meet your potential in work ethic and effort. You're going to push it, maybe even try to push it beyond what you think is possible because you have control over that, right? Yeah. There are some things like genetic potential, all those things we don't have control over. So why would you leave the, the parts that you do have control over up to chance? Yeah. Right. So that's cool. And then systems. What it does for you, I also think mentally is incredible because you're not having to, it, it just, it just takes away 
used up mental space. Like you don't have to think about that. Yes. You can run it. You know, it's you not know, a there's... decision you need to expend energy to make again and again and again. You just you make it once, you put it on autopilot, and then you just execute. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So systems, I definitely whether that whether you're building a business, whether you uh, are you're working on your archery shot, whatever the case may be, having a track to run on yeah. that's already been uh, laid. The foundation is there already. You know, maybe it's new for you, but you've got those grooves that you can kind of step into, and uh, the the mental aspect then feeds the physical, because the physical can then actually find out. It's not being limited by the mind. This is a common phrase that I like to toss uh, out there, which is the mind always fails first. You know, like especially mm-hmm. if we're talking about lifting, um, before your brain. Um, you know, your muscles fatigue, your brain has to go, I can't. Right. And the body matches the mind. Yeah. And so if you're pushing to failure on a set, um, we've all had that thought where you're like, I don't know if I can get this next rep up. And that's the beginning of the catastrophic unfolding of it. Yeah. Like if you take away that, you know, it's funny because I can remember times, not just you, but like other people will get frustrated at me hunting because I'm not, um, like recontemplating the course of action. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it's like, no, because if I do, there's an opportunity. I'll, I'll talk myself out of it. And if I don't, if I don't open up even the, the opportunity to rethink yeah. this path, then I, it's not even like I, I just have no choice, but to keep going down the path. Correct. Like there is no path forward if I only, and that's what, that's what I like about thinking about things as habits because then I, if, if I don't have to make the decision, I don't have a chance to decide not to do it. Correct. Yeah. It's really cool to take these thoughts and then start to almost blueprint them and then apply them in different areas of your life. Yeah. Uh, and you, we can kind of bring this full circle. We kind of started that conversation about creativity. Um, you know, when you make it easier, because what really what you're doing there is you're actually just making it easier for you to succeed. Yes. You're making it easier for you to kind of move forward faster, quicker, more efficiently, whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, in the creative process, people are second guessing themselves. That's all mental stuff. You don't even get to taking action. And you spend people, myself included, I've, I've just kind of learned by watching myself is you can waste so much time thinking about things, whether or not you should do it, not doing it, that you that you never get to the learning part or the fun part or the finessing part yeah. where it starts to really become fun, you know, where you don't think, you just do. You don't think, you just do. And then all of those other nuances start to fill in the gaps and you start to really pull ahead of everybody else just because you've done it so much more than everybody else. Yeah, right? 100%. So, It's cool. I was having this conversation with a a client the other day. So there's this like four step process of mastery. And I can't remember the individual who did this, but it moves from unconscious incompetence. Yes. This is when we don't even know what we don't know. It would be like if I went to go build a thermal nuclear reactor, I would be unconsciously incompetent. I don't even know what I don't know. And then we get to conscious incompetence. And this is where we start to build a little bit of knowledge and okay, it's okay. Okay, now I know, now I know what I don't know. And then you get to conscious competence. And mm-hmm. this is where 
I'd say most of us who feel like really proficient at things, like I think this is where I'm at with my archery. Yeah. Um, you're really good at it, but you're still dedicating a lot of cognitive load. Like you're still thinking about what you're doing. And then you get to unconscious competence. And yeah. this is mastery. This is flow zone, sorry, flow state in the yeah. zone. This is Kelly Slater on a wave. This is, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the list goes on and on and on. But but this is that, that like fully actuated like potential, you know what I mean? That's right. And that's yeah. when you're not even thinking about what you're, what you're doing anymore. And I think we all get like little glimpses of that when we're in yeah. that con, like I've had that a couple of times with, um, like I can say two or three archery shots have been like that for me. Like mm -hmm. I where it wasn't, it wasn't that I blacked out cause I can remember. And I think that's the difference for me is if you can remember what you did afterwards, like there's a difference between blacking out and just not thinking about what you're doing and yeah. having your systems take over and just execute for you. And I can think back my Arizona bucket, 55 yards really springs to mind. Like I cannot communicate to you how certain I was that buck was going to die when I <laughs> yes. pulled back on my hinge. Like mm -hmm. I literally did not have a single fiber of doubt in my body. Like I, I knew, like I, I could see the hair on the buck where the arrow was going to hit. And it yeah. was just like, it was just one of those perfect things, man. Like there was no, and it was, and, and you know, Joel talks about this as well, but is when my mind, and that's why I'm not afraid to shoot with a hinge anymore because as soon as my mind decided it was time to shoot, the hinge went off. Like there was yeah. no pullback anymore. There was no finish this. Like it was just, everything was ready and it was just, it just happened and it just went yeah. and it was fucking perfect. 12 ringdom, you know, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. And I have like little glimpses of that. I'm like in no way, shape or form am I there as an individual or as a hunter. But I think, you you know, it's like you just need that one shot in golf to keep bringing you back. That's right. I mean, you can practice uh, over and over again, but it's those moments, those live moments that really solidify all of that practice. Like it, it's almost like, it's not just the cherry on top. This is like, it's the cementing of everything that you've done up to that point in time. Cause it's that validation, that verification that, um, you know, I'm not crazy. This yeah. works. Yeah. This works in real life scenarios. And it's kind of like, okay, you can go through all the posing, but when it gets cemented for you is when you're on stage yeah. and you're running that system, that blueprint, like you've done it a million times already. But now you have the lights in your face. Now you have the, 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 the heat of the atmosphere of the lights on your body, right? Now you've got the, the ambient noise. You've got all that stuff and your ability to tune all of that out and stay in your process in that moment is where it really gets cemented, I think. Uh, and that's uh, we could, the applications are endless for that, right? But particularly archery, I, I totally agree with you and feel the same way. Well, it was, it was funny. I think we tend to operate at about 75% of our peak capacity under pressure. And so, and I think this is why it's important for instance, to shoot at longer ranges. Like, yeah, when I practice at 80, I'm not going to kill something at 80, but if I practice at 80, I can probably kill something at 50. I really totally do agree. believe like, you know, that's, 
you know, and I'm, I was telling this story on a podcast the other day when I used to practice for DJ competitions um, and I lived in the West End. I'm such a psycho. I would open up all my windows in the wintertime and my apartment would get so cold that my fingers would go numb. Oh, there you go. And trying to do like intricate juggling and scratching with records with numb fingers, it mm -hmm. felt, and it, I did, it happened by accident one time because I would go to these competitions and you feel like you have numb fingers because like there's so much pressure and like you feel like your fingers are dumb. It's the only way I can explain it. Yeah. And um, I came home from walking the dog one time and I started to scratch records and I was just like, oh, my fingers, they're, like they're not working. And then I was like, okay, so how do I use this? Because if I can, if I can perform at the level that I need to with these dumb fingers, do you know yes. what I mean? Then I yeah. can feel confident that I will carry a performance. And I think that happens to people in hunting all the time, man. Like, no offense, but like you go to Burnaby Lake and like shoot on the flats at 40 yards all day on only the sunny days. Do you know what I mean? And then think totally. that you're going to go in the field and yeah. smoke shit. It's like, no, it ain't going to happen, man. Like no, you, you got to go be... when it's raining or when it's snowing out. I mean, some of the compliments I got, like, uh, we've talked a bit about this before. So I bring my kids out to the Burnaby flat field because it's easy for them. It's easy. I can, I can manage a lot more. Right. So yes. it's just the logistics. But I remember the first time that, uh, so my wife got into shooting, she shoots a stick bow as well. And we had just had our fourth. So Gemma would have been like an infant and she had her in a baby carrier on her back. It was snowing. And Christina's at full draw with a baby air, with a baby on her back. And there were some ladies there. They're going, oh my gosh, your wife's a real badass. Like it's how the hell we've got some awesome photos of that. Meanwhile, for me, I've got three other little ones on the ground and I'm like, I got to get them shooting first because I want to make sure they get their shots in. Yeah. And then I'm using that for pressure for me because now I'm the last person shooting on yes. the line. And yes. there's, you know, 40 other people there that are looking at me going, when is this dude going to let that arrow go? Yeah. And it's, I'm like Joel says, you know, you're going to, you start to seek stressful situations. You yeah. start to look for those things because there's, it's so hard to replicate an animal standing in front of you. You can't, man. You can't do it. No. You know, you just can't. And so any distraction or stressful situation. So when it starts snowing or hailing here, I thankfully have been able to shoot at the side of the house. You know, when, when I get to do that, um, uh, sorry, w when I get those opportunities, I'm grabbing my bow and I'm running outside. Right. Because, and then I'm not throwing a jacket on. I have no hair. So water on my head or cold on my head or on my ears really bothers me yeah. a lot. Like it's just, it's so annoying. Um, I've got a long beard now and it gets frizzled in the rain. And I've had a couple of times where it's the string hits it. And there's like, and so th there's pain there that's associated even in the draw because I'm drawing all the way. I shoot my thumb. I'm drawing all the way past my face. Yeah. And so all of those things are fighting to get into my mind, but all of those things can be used for concentration practice. Every one of them. Can you tune all of that nonsense, all that crap out and be so, um, so laser focused and determined in the, the, in the shot that none of those things are going to take. So I've, now I've tried to tried to duplicate as many of those things, but they're still they don't come close to what's actually happening physiologically in your body. Yeah. You know when you've got an animal in front of you. Yeah, so. Dan Dan talked about it elk shape on our podcast as well. He's a big fan of talking a lot of shit too, because mm. you're backing yourself into a corner. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and they bet a lot, and probably not a lot. I'm not talking a lot of money. He's he's a man of faith too, so everything is like I'm sure tempered to a certain degree. Sure. But he's trying to 
increase just the general level of stress any way any way he can when um when he's practicing and I, absolutely and i like yeah. i wish we had some like the tack or some of those like cooler weekend ski hill 3d shoots maybe yeah. the border will open up and and I'd love to be able to get down. Going, down have you done any those. shoots down in Washington? Dude, I've never even done an a shoot. Oh, okay. Ever. Yeah, so I would say that um, just just the one just right across the border from us. Um, you know, when I when when I met Joel and we just started to build a friendship, I would I was going down, you know, two three times a year for three D shoots down there um, because I didn't even know that there were three D shoots up in Vancouver, right and. I learned, I kind of cut my teeth on 3D shoots down there. And when I came to Vancouver, they were super easy because down there, which I think is fascinating and fabulous, is really smart. All of their um, hunting rut seasons are archery only. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So if you want to harvest an animal during the easiest time, you've got to pick the most challenging equipment. 100%. So everybody shoots a bow, everybody. Yeah. And in addition to them shooting, um, they're... The, the, there's so many people that show up to their 3D shoots that they have to make them complicated. They have to make them hard. They have right. to make them challenging. Whereas here, we're okay. We're not really that challenging. But uh, somebody that I was following on, um, there was a 3D shoot actually this this, this weekend, which I wasn't able to attend to uh, attend um, uh, because of a prior commitment. But someone I was I was following and they commented, oh, this is one of the most challenging shoots that I've been to. Uh, in a long while, and it was on uh, Ridgedale. It was a, just basically on the side of a mountain. You're hiking a course, and you're shooting. It's, it's great. It's fantastic practice. It's awesome. Um, but I've shot that shoot many times. Um, and I will say that like, if you go to the Tacoma Sports Club in, um, uh, in Washington, uh, their 40 targets are easily two or three times harder. Like they've got, they've got a target sitting in the middle of a little lake that's spinning, a little frog that's spinning, in the middle of a lake. Okay. And there's a way to get to the lake all the way around. Right. Go right. get your, your arrows, but you have to hit the center of the frog on the, on its front face, yeah. not on its back. So you can imagine like the, you know, your shot control goes out the window because now your timing is an uncontrolled shot. You're timing this thing. Yeah. And if you miss, it's going in the drink and you're not getting your arrow back. Yeah. Like it's done, you know, and there's several things like that. They just make it so flipping challenging, but it's great. Because that messes with your, I mean, just like if, if you've ever done any golf, they just put a water trap there and I don't know what it does. Dude, it's like it a just magnet. Messes. Like, so, you know, having those stressful situations or anything that can just distract you enough is so good. But weather, I think, is probably the easiest one to take advantage of. Go on the crappy days. Yeah. Wherever you've got a membership, yeah. don't go on the sunny days. And I mean, uh, granted, take that with a grain of salt. If you're tuning, obviously you want yeah. the best days to figure those things out. But if you're there to practice, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows when you're out in the field. So no. why wouldn't you replicate the conditions, the worst possible conditions, and give yourself the best kind of practice, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It's funny you bring up the water trap. So I was taking my – we got a couple tennis courts here at a park mm -hmm. over by the house. And after school, I normally take my daughter over there to ride her bike. And she kept, like, getting, like, just so close to these tennis posts for the for – the, uh, nets mm -hmm. that she would have to stop. Like she was about to ram into them. Mm -hmm. And we had this like really teachable moment because I was like, and it, this sounds so simple. It's, it's ridiculous, but I was like, you need to look at where you want to go, 
not where you don't want to go. Yes. And I said, right now you're getting close to these things and they're scaring the shit out of you. So you're staring at them and not inappropriately because Mm -hmm. you're thinking, I need to know where I am in relation to this so I don't hit it. But psychologically, as soon as you focus your attention on it, everything about you is taking you to that. So I'm like, and what I did is I went on the other side and I stood between the posts behind them. Yeah. And I said, just look at me, look at me in the Mm -hmm. eye. And like, like a laser beam, bro. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. no wavering, no nothing. And it's like, I think we need to be reminded of that sometimes. It's so simple, but like focus on what you want. Don't focus on the inverse. Don't focus on not doing what you don't want. And I think that's, it's very hard. Like it's a simple thing to say. And I think it's a more difficult thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's like saying, you know, people who go, uh, skiing downhill super fast like yes. you know, don't hit the trees don't hit the trees don't that's the that's focusing on the inverse exactly and that's not helpful at all because what your mind is then the words that you are feeding your brain are tree and what your eyes are then associating with are tree and yeah. then all you see are the trees 100 you know? percent. So, so we haven't talked about bodhi since uh, uh yeah. what <laughs> a dude He's a stud. That He's kid is insane, stud. man. That's mm-hmm. what happens when you got Steven Seagal for a father. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. totally. for anybody listening who doesn't know, both Dylan and I um, share a friendship with Joel Turner, who runs Shot IQ and a bunch of other stuff. He, you know, great guy, an mm-hmm. interesting individual to say the least, and somewhat polarizing, but you know, just amazing with what he's willing to share for his knowledge. And what was it Vegas? Like his kid won. Well, first he got, was it like the third 630 thirties or something at the Lancaster? Yeah, that's right. And then he's he like one of three people to, to pull that off ever, yeah. e- ever, ever. And the kids, what 15, 15 years old. And he's going against like full blown adults. Yeah. And people who are actually, professional, competitive archers. Been doing it for decades. What they they do for a living. And kid is smoking these dudes. Yeah. Like, and he's not, like you wouldn't look at this guy and say athlete. Like to me, it's even a stronger argument for how much more of a mental game archery is than a physical game. Right. Like he looks like he's still in good enough shape and everything. Like he's not, but he does not, he doesn't look like a Josh Bomar or like a, like he's not this like jacked kid or. No. You know, and he doesn't come off as like crazy confident or super cock smack or anything like that. No, he's just a regular dude. Like he's just a regular kid. That's who he is. And then what was it? And then he won the big one down in Vegas, whatever, whatever that is. It's like Vegas. Like he won Vegas. Vegas. One of the largest. I don't even know what to say to that man. I mean, think if you want to put it in terms of like, you know, some people uh, put place value based on monetary value. The dude won like $75,000. Are you serious? No, I'm not joking. That's actually, there's pictures. If you go on his Instagram profile, you can actually see all the checks you added up, you know, 75 grand US. Wow. From that one tournament. Yeah. So it's not, it's no small deal. Like it's a, it's a really big deal. I think my Instagram just shut off here. Shoot. Sorry, you might have to invite me back on. I can do that. Uh, You know what I'm going to do? Hang on. Before you invite me back on, sorry to to do this. I'm going to stop my my phone's 
auto shutting off. That's what it is. So I'm going to just stop it from doing that and then we'll be fine. No problem. Uh, let's go auto lock to never. And then that should fix it. Let me know when you're ready for an invite. Um, okay. Should be. Okay, there we are. Okay, should be good to go now. Uh, let's see if it's coming back on. Go live. There we go. Beauty. Okay, we're back on. Bam. So, yeah, the dude, the dude completely, like, he, he, he crushed it. He killed it. And it was, like, you could, you could just, just watching him, you could go, he is so, he's like an impenetrable fortress in his mind. Yeah. yeah. Nothing is getting in there. No. And the only times that, like, when stuff would, would happen where you could kind of see almost the, just this human touch come back was after a shot, he'd look at his dad. Yeah. And his dad would just, like, like, you know, there was that real, like, you got this, like, keep going, like, keep going. It, and it was just a, like, stay in it. That, that was all it was. And, I mean, I'm getting shivers talking about it. Like, oh, I'm dude. so happy for I for almost him. broke down and had a cry. Like, because I know yeah. Joel and I know how intense he is. Yeah. And I was just, yeah. like, just to see how much somebody cares and, like, yeah, it's like a like a Gretzky and his dad type of thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I yeah. like it's just it made me want to do better as a father. Like, I don't oh, think my yeah. kid's going to be winning Vegas, but I'm like, I, I can do better. I like we can without being like crazy and like having her hate me as a, you know, as a, yep. as yeah, a as later on in life, I'm sure there's like, there's some room for improvement here. You know what I'm saying? Like right. totally. we can spend an extra 20 minutes at the tennis court with the, with the bicycle. You know what I mean? Like, totally. yeah, it motivated totally. the shit out of me as, totally. as a father. Yeah. Just, just the, the the level of belief that you have in your kids, yeah. you know, just that, that it's such a huge confidence booster. And I, I had the exact same feeling. I was like, man, I could, I could definitely step up with my boys, with my daughter. Like, you know, it's just these things. And then you start to realize that it's actually not that hard if you care. Yeah. If you care yes. about it and you start thinking about it, you're like, it's not like I'm starved for ideas or something. Yeah. But just that little bit of motivation was just like, I, it just got me thinking about what could I be doing better? Where am I, where am I not playing to the best of my ability with my children or with my archery or whatever. It's not like we don't know what we need to do. Yeah. You know, we can definitely come up with ways to, to do better. So yeah, I was, I was on the phone with them. We were, we were uh, chatting and, you know, I, I was, I was chatting with his, with uh, Sarah, his wife, uh, because Joel was not even on his phone. Like he was so in it there. Yeah. And I was, I was, uh, you know, texting back and forth with her and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And, uh, and then, after it kind of all subsided, you realize what had just happened. It was just like, I need to talk to Joel. Like, I just need to, I, I more than anything, I, was just, I just wanted to go give him a hug. And that's probably like the first thing I do when I go see him. It's just like, I just want to go give him a big hug. Like, I'm so proud of you. So proud of, it, it's it's huge vindication for him too, because he's yeah. had a lot of people throw him and his system under the bus for whatever the reason may be. You know, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily name any people or even try to, think about what the the course what the reasoning behind that is but he's he's not had it easy in terms of just putting his system out there and he's been at this for a while he's Long been time. at shot IQ for a while yep. and this was kind of like this it's the it's like the the perfect 
it's that point in the story. It's like the perfect rescue in every great story where you yeah. finally reach that. You know, there was, I don't know whether we're going to be, be able to, to come out of this and then you crest, you come over the crest. You're just like, I can't believe we just did it. Yeah. We just did it. So it's just this culmination of so many emotions, so many things. Um, and you know, if you, if anyone who's listening, who doesn't know the shot IQ system, um, I, I would tell you like it has completely changed not just my archery, it's changed my life because like I was mentioning before, it's cool to take these blueprints and then apply them into different areas of your life. Yeah. Taking the shot IQ system and applying it to different areas of your life is so powerful. You know, if I'm going to spend time, let's say that I come home from work and it's a long day, I'm going to go spend time with my family. Why would I hope that the next four hours with them goes well? Right. Why would I leave that up to chance? Why would I not make some really determined decisions and have a game plan of no matter what happens, it might be a complete mess in the house. The kids might be at each other's throats. It could be a whole bunch of things. And I could either show up into that situation and flip out about everything, or I could show up and go, I'm going to turn all of this into fun. I'm going to show up and I'm going to enter into this and I'm going to take it and make it the absolute best that it could possibly be no matter what. Like you, when you start making decisions like that about how you live your life, all of a sudden life becomes more fun because you're not going to be phased by stress anymore. You're almost welcoming it to a certain degree. You're like, I got this. Yeah. I got this. This isn't that big of a deal. You know, we tend to take things a little bit too seriously sometimes and, and pour, you know, gasoline on, on, on a fire rather than diffusing situations simply because we made excuses and we didn't make any decisions. Right. Yeah. So you can take that and apply it. So if you, if you, if any of the, anybody here who's like questioning it, I'd say, go check it out at the very least, go read his book. If you don't want to pay for his course, which I think is, you know, hands down, probably the, the uh, more than the course, if you, if you can't get to him to do a workshop, cause that for me is like transformational. Yeah. Um, can't do that at the very least read the book or just go you know scratch the itch go take a go take a listen because he's uh well his 15 year old son just did something that nobody else has been able to do so yeah it's got to be the, like by a long shot the youngest dude to ever win that thing has absolutely to has to be yeah yeah it's pretty incredible yeah man <sighs> all right Cheers. let's uh let's get into some questions i got some questions here sure um do you, uh, this is I'm I'm kind of curious. Do you fish? Yeah. Okay. So a little bit. What do you do? Fly fishing. Okay. Um, of course so you do. Done- you trad bow stick hunting dick. You see, you got <laughs> you got to fly fish. Of course you do yeah. because like it'd be far too easy to actually do something that wasn't okay, a look, pain so, in the ass. Um. So I I really enjoy trout fishing off of a lake somewhere here in BC. Shall okay. remain la- nameless. Um, and, um, believe it or not, I, would only started doing it about three years ago. Okay. And I had been, I've been crabbing. I've been doing a whole bunch of other things. I was interested in it just as through high school, but I, when I discovered fly fishing and I thought it was beyond me when I discovered it and I had a friend's dad, um, we were visiting with them at their cabin. There was a lake by their cabin. He's like, no, 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 it's not that difficult. And he's like, here, I'll lend you a rod. Lend you some waders. Let's go, right? And we go out to this lake, and all of a sudden, I'm catching fish off the fly. And I'm like, this is incredible. Where have I been my entire life? Like, it's so much fun. Absolutely. Like, it just it blew me away. 
I had to go get my own rod. I started practicing. I started doing all this stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of where that came from. All right. So, so you had a question about, do you fish? Yeah. So yes, that was, that was the answer. Yeah. I, do you? I don't, I want to, um, I'd like to get into something that I don't need to like need a bunch of infrastructure for like a big boat or something like that. And especially because of my daughter, I'd like to be able to, cause I think in a lot of ways it's an easier step to get into fishing than it is to get into hunting. Like, I think it's a better gateway. Totally. Um, I've heard from just a lot of sources. Um, so I've done my fair share of fishing, did some fishing with my dad and my grandpa as a kid, like lake fishing in Ontario, did some like river fishing in your sneakers as a teenager. Um, I've done some ocean fishing maybe half a dozen times, but they've always been like with other people. Like I wouldn't have the foggiest notion like what to go buy or, or where to go. So I don't know. There's a lot of stuff on the plate this year, but it it's definitely something that I need to, I'm going to look for some mentorship in and I, I, I do need to get out and, and learn how to go fishing. Well, there's, if you're trying to do stuff with kids, there's a couple of places where it's kind of locally, actually, I'll, I'll send you a message later. Okay. Um, just cause I don't want to interrupt the live stream on the, on Instagram, but yeah, yeah. there's a couple of places locally where you can actually come in their stock lakes and you can give your kids a very awesome first experience with right. fishing, or you could do it the hard way, which is what I, <laughs> dummy me, you can go and figure out when all the stocking reports are at the local lakes Yeah. because they BC fisheries puts that all up. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of lakes are stocked. Um, and you can try to get in there kind of the day, the day of, or the day after when they've just been stocked or within a few days after and, um, and go in even just with a, you know, like a $10 Walmart rod, yeah, yeah. um, and go in there and, and, uh, you try, try your luck at it. It'll be, um, it, it's not, it's, it's not, I have not caught as much fish as I was, as I, as I have gone fishing. Like, you know, it's very, there's a, there's a carryover to hunting the most fish that I've ever caught um, have been in the interior lakes uh, in British Columbia, just because nobody else goes there. Right. You know, like there's a lot of pressure uh, locally, but doesn't mean that you can't go out and still have a good time. That's why I'm suggesting there's a couple of places which are private, which they stock them and they're, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed to catch fish, but you're really paying for your fish. Like it's yeah, $10 if you catch a fish and you can't clean it there. You got to bring it home and go through that process and all that other stuff. But it's still a, it's a fun experience to get a, a fish online. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think that uh, I, I've done some, some ocean salmon fishing and just uh, on some of the rivers and I filled the freezer a couple of years um, in a, in a row. And that's been good to just have some salmon there, but I'm by no means an avid fisherman. I don't, I mean, I got a boat last year, so there might be some opportunities to, to kind of pick that up. I picked up a, a striker, which is a Zodiac type boat, pontoon okay. style boat. Um, and, uh, and my plan for this year actually it should be, you know, probably, probably April I'll be out on the water in it, planning to do some, some crabbing and some prawning, um, and try my hand at maybe some, some, some ocean salmon. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right. I have to, I it got a bit, I actually picked that up because for, mostly for the family. I just wanted sure. to be able to get out on the water with my family. Um, because I've been, I've been out on the water. I've done some sailing stuff in, in the past before, but I've never been able to pass that on. Right. And I figured this would be a really easy way, safe way 
to be able to then just continue to fill the freezer, you know? Right. So, yeah. I bought a pack raft. Okay. Kind, kind of for, and it was like, it's like I, I wanted it for my sheep hunt. And then I got looking at them and realized that they're, there was kind of like a hybrid tandem version that was like kind of big enough. Well, it did was you go alpaca or I, did you? I which, did. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. And I got the Explorer 42, which is yes. like, enough, it's their smallest tandem. So it's enough for like an adult and a child or an adult yeah. and a pet. And I thought to myself, cause like they're not cheap. No. And it was like, it's a little bit much for me to just have it and maybe use it once a year for hunting. But I was like, we go, we go truck camping at all these little lakes and yeah. we always see people in their kayaks. And again, I could literally go buy a little tackle kit at Canadian Tire and a little $10 Shimano reel. And at least now we can use this little alpaca raft to get us out into the middle totally. of the lake. And we can just putt around out there and throw it out a couple times. Maybe we catch something, maybe we don't. It's not really the point. It's just no. to like bring a little more variety to totally. You know, to the, to the camping trip and it's small and easy to get around and don't need to put it on top of the truck. And yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of excited. I think she'll have a blast, man. Yeah, no, that's, that's been in a cart that I've not pulled the trigger on yeah. for a little while now. Um, and I almost built one. There's a the, guy. The guy in BC. The thing yeah. is, is I, I tried, but his stuff's always out of stock and it's like, like yeah. Yeah. Dude, and it's, I know someone who built one and it took a long time Yeah, and they got it. They, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those like, okay, I'm not really saving any money and I am spending a ton of time yeah. to do this. So it kind of balances out and for, for that, at that point, unless you really enjoy the DIY aspect of things, yes, you know, you kind of lean towards an alpaca is just, they're, they're yeah. the ones that, you know, hands down, that's where you go. So, well, if you need to borrow the Explorer 42, just let me know. Okay, well, if uh, if I'm doing any any backcountry stuff anytime soon, where crossing a body of water is, yeah, yeah, like you and I have experience. I've got the wings. We do have and, experience. Yeah, <laughs> the wings to do that, and now pack raft. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, do you wish you lived somewhere hunting was more accessible? Yes and no. Okay, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll answer. I mean, so I thought about this a lot. Well, okay? you were looking pretty hard. I still am. Okay, still am looking. Um, there is a, it, it's one of those things, but it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about what am I actually in control of? Okay. There's no point wasting mental energy on things that we cannot control. Agreed. So I should, so the, so the, the no part is I should take what's in front of me and make it the absolute best that it can possibly be. Right. So that's one half of the equation. The other half, the yes part is by the same token, it's not a closed door that I couldn't be in another place, whether that's in another province or south of the border or wherever the case may be, okay? So if I'm not finished fully exploring that where I have a complete and hard and definite no, I should continue to explore that. And not just, you know, uh, like from, from the standpoint of, oh, it sucks here and I wish I was somewhere else. Not from that. It's like, no, if you really want that, well, then go through the steps to explore making that a reality. Right. And if it's maybe not something that you can, like maybe you're not going to move to do that. Uh, maybe it's the stuff that you and I had talked about. Like originally we were supposed to go to Idaho. Yeah. You know, those opportunities are are still there 100%. to a certain degree. And cut well um, back kind of now, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully it, pr pretty soon here we'll be able to 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 go and do all of those things again. 
but you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you, you have to look at it and going, am I, before I answer the question, I'm, I'm asking myself, am I being a victim here? Or am I being, am I going to be a victim of my circumstances or a victor of my right. circumstances? And I want to be able to answer, you know, yes, I want to go explore those things because I'm, I'm enamored by people that are, you know, uh, wake up like you did in New Mexico, um, you know, to screaming bulls all around you. Um, versus, you know, I want to have that experience. So yeah. go get that experience. Go find out what it takes and then save the money and then go do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and if that's, if it's really that important to you, then move, you know, find a way to do it, which go talk to a, an immigration lawyer, go talk, go figure out how that could be possible. You right. know? Yeah. I looked at it a little bit simpler. Like, do I wish I lived in the interior, for example? Oh, okay. simply because it it would it's closer. Or you look at the guys who live up in Fort St. John. You know how easy it would be to go scouting for sheep on the weekend. Yeah. Um, and the, the answer is yes. Personally, <clears throat> if I didn't have to look at any of the other elements of my life, I do wish, um, I lived somewhere closer where like hunting was closer. Um, but with the other elements of my life, it's just like there'd be too many compromises. Like yeah. my wife is a hardcore city dwelling female. Like there's, yeah. it ain't, we couldn't even do Fort Langley. She lived out there for two years and it was like, she just about imploded. No. Um, and the, 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 the added benefit of being in the city is that she is more than okay with me being gone more. Yeah. And so the funny yeah. thing is I would rather live in the city and do my four or five big trips a year then live in Fort St. John and have to do all my hunting's hunting on the weekends. Yeah. So it's also counterintuitive that way. So it, it, I think the other thing you want to ask yourself is like, what type of hunting is most important to you? Like that was something I learned because we were living out in Fort Langley and I was doing a shitload of day hunting for blacktail in Chilliwack. And it was just like, it doesn't scratch the itch the same way for me. Like I like it and I want to do more of it specifically this year. But if I look at like what, shapes me as a human being it's those big adventure hunts like I, yeah. that's what i like my i like looking forward to them i like having those like pinnacle moments i well, like mindful planning built off of those trips 100 percent. they yeah. built you and you built mindful hunter out of that right yeah. so you kind of have to give credit where it's due it, it it's it's what it was meant to be for you i think yeah i think so too um okay this next guy was like kind of Kind of busting my balls, but I'm actually going to answer it in a serious fashion. So he asked, how do I get the confidence to post pictures in my underwear? That's uh, a great question. And, <laughs> and I do think it's it's a great question because um, it's probably not something I would have been comfortable with um, before. But I think the bigger question for me is like, what level of transparency do you want to embrace with the part of yourself that you share with the rest of the world? And however, is that on social media? Is it just in conversations with visiting with friends and family? Like we make these decisions, like how much are you going to let other people in? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was funny that you mentioned that you think the adventure hunts are like what built mindful hunter the other thing that i would add for that what's built mindful hunter is like i'm not remy warren 
I'm not, there's dudes in like the come out heavy guys. I was just talking with, in fact, yeah. they were the ones yeah. that posted this question. Like those dudes are studs, man. I'm not killing yeah. what those guys are killing. Like I, I built mindful hunter on this, like authentic transparency. Like I'm just, I'm at where I'm at. I'm as good as I am, but I'm going to be really honest about where I'm at and what I'm doing to get someplace else. Because what is really interesting to me is that we talked about these four stages of competence earlier. I think the people who have achieved unconscious competence are not the best teachers. Because I okay. some of them aren't. I'm not going to make a blanket statement, but not all of those people actually make good teachers because I don't think they think about what they're doing anymore. I totally agree with you. They're cognitive, they're cognitively disconnected. Yeah. They just do. So they look at you and they're like, well, just do what I do. And I'm like, well, I, I don't even know what you do. Like, I don't know how to do what yeah. you do. I need yeah. you to tell me. And then, and then the things that they do think about are so far past where yeah. I'm at that I can't even, like, I yeah. can't connect. So can't I can't even see the path to get there. Right. No. Like yeah. the people that are cognitively aware and they're competent of it what they're spending the vast majority of their time doing for themselves is taking the complicated and simplifying it to such a degree that they can then explain it to somebody else. That's such a fascinating way to teach and to learn like the best teachers are the ones that can take complicated subjects and simplify them down so that like, you know, a five-year-old could understand what's going on. Right. And so the only people that can do that are the ones that are cognitively in the process. Yes. You can't do that unconsciously. You know? No, and you I think there's to. rare dudes. Do you know what I mean? Like I might have my issues with him, but I think somebody like Dudley yeah. has spent yeah. so much time kind of crafting or honing his craft as a teacher um, that he is a guy when it comes to shooting, he has achieved, I would, I would argue unconscious competence. He's a master yeah. in his field, but he's also a good teacher. Um, yeah. So I do think there's rare exceptions, but I think it, as, in the general, as a general rule, you want people, you don't want people who are so far elevated past where you're at that they don't relate to where you're, because yeah. you're not going to totally be agree. as connected. So the way that all ropes back in is that, you know, I'm 43 and I think I'm just now honestly at the point where I don't, I I really don't give a shit. Like I don't, I can, I can, I don't care what happens when I, when I put a picture up in my underwear on Instagram, I really don't give a shit. Um, I feel like I made a commitment to authentically share the process from A to B and I'm going to do that. And so that to me is like, is more of the, I guess the rationale or the reasoning behind why I do it. Like there's not some superficial like incentive. It's really like it truly and honestly is about like, I feel comfortable with who I am. I said I was going to share a journey, so I'm going to share the journey and you're going to get to see like, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. You're probably as, as you're talking, this is really, uh, uh, connecting with me a couple of a couple of really key points that not caring specifically involves but not what caring what other people think of you or how they view you right right i mean i mean correct me if i'm wrong yeah right? yeah like you okay because when people start caring about how they're seen 
Yes. Then that they've elevated that and they've given that more importance over the accomplishment of the goal. And that's what youth is. That's what youth is. Like if we look at our effort and we say, okay, we have a hundred percent of effort, right? And then we choose how much of this are we going to dictate? The problem in youth is that you spend, and let's just pick some numbers, 50% of your effort on actually trying to achieve something and Mm -hmm. 50% of your effort managing the perceptions of everyone around you. And all you have really done, practically speaking, is reduce the amount of effort put towards the actual goal by 50%. 50%, exactly. And now a bunch of people think a bunch of shit. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. You still don't even know. And what effect does it have on your life? Yeah, like, zero. Honestly, if you think it doesn't, none. Right? Like it's not none. Like these people are going to come and pay your bills. It's no. not like these people are. It's like it, it's all it in your mind. But then Bingo. when you free yourself from that, and you free yourself, and like I'm not going to lie, like I want, I'm not going to say I don't care about what people think about me. We're still human. I'm a man in integrity. I want to be right. seen as an honorable person. Like I care that you respect me. Like I want to yes. that I care about. But like. The other shit that we're talking about here, you, you know what I mean? Like the stuff that's out of my control, like I am I am free from from that. Like I don't, like it was hilarious. My my wife, she goes to like these business dinners and she they hang out with like, it's like a pretty liberal crowd because she's in publishing. And um, she gets back and she's like, it's crazy. Every time I met these like dinner, these like business dinner party things at restaurants and like everybody wants to know what, my husband does. And I just start telling them all the things you do. And like all the men at the table just lean in <laughs> and they're like, he does what? What? He gets yeah. to what? And I'm like, yeah, cause I don't give a shit anymore, man. Like there are things yeah. that bring me joy that make me yeah. feel like an, like a, a self actualized human being. And I've realized yeah. the more of those things I have in my life, the better a man I am. So now it's like, I don't get, yeah, I'm just going to do those things and I'm going to have to sacrifice some shit, some shit elsewhere. But it's like, I do kind of feel like I'm living the life now that I fantasized about when I was a teenager. Shouldn't that be be the case for everybody? hundred percent. Like if you're not, I think that's a really good point. If that, if you're currently right now, not, chasing or existing in or living in that life that you've been dreaming about as a teenager, you know, even maybe even younger or just a little bit like, you know, through university or whatever, then why not? Yeah. Why, why aren't you pursuing that? And be willing to do the, like, I don't want to get on some Gary V tip. Cause I think he does go a little bit. I, I'm, I'm more pro Gary V than anti Gary V, but I think he goes a little bit far sometimes, but it's like, I still have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. I still need to wake yeah. up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you at eight 30 at night. I shoot my yeah. YouTube videos on the weekend in my studio. Like it's not like I'm some like magic wand got no. waved and I can just do all this cool shit. Like I think you, you have to be willing to like put that extra effort in, in order to get those extra 100%. things kind of 100%. back. You know what I it's mean? It's really, there's a lot of people don't, uh, people don't either appreciate it. They don't understand the behind the scenes that's involved, the amount of scheduling that's involved, the amount of discipline that's involved. And yeah. like, you know, saying yes to things means I'm saying no to other things and just being that aware of your calendar. 
because that's actually how things happen. It's like, if you care enough about it, it goes on your calendar. You talk to your spouse about it. You talk to your kids about it. You make sure that there's time. And if you are taking time away from one thing, let's say with your family, that you're going to then make up for it in some other area. And it's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be balanced. There's going to be some give and take all the time. But that's actually how progress is made with all of these sorts of things. And I'm, I'm the same way. There's people have said to me, it's like, oh, you're just talented or, you know, it must be really easy or it must be really nice. Like I'll, I'll working on a project or I'm doing something, I'll take a picture and I'll share it with someone. They're like, how do you get all this stuff done? I'm like, well, I'm actually just really ruthless with my calendar. Yeah. That's actually what it really comes down to. And not caring about how I'm seen. I don't care. I don't, I don't actually care because unless you start paying my bills, I don't care what you think. Like, yeah. you know, I'm going to go do what's best for me and my family, what's going to make me the most virtuous husband and father. Um, th- those are the things that matter to me, you know? Yeah. So all of that other stuff, if you're elevating, so back to that, you know, how do you take pictures of yourself in your underwear and post on Instagram? Well, do you actually, are you doing it for the authenticity and the benefits that come with that, by the way, is that you've taken your excuse away because you've now publicly declared yeah. to the world what you're going to do and it keeps you accountable. That's another commitment device, man. It's so, so powerful. Old. And I love so I love using that stuff. It's like once you once you speak it into existence, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there, yeah. it becomes there's a different level of real. Yeah, totally. And then you just follow through on it. You're like the only the only reason, the only way that I'm gonna get forward uh, to get to my destination is if I just continue with the plan. I just keep moving forward with the plan and documenting instead of trying to fabricate it or manifest it, you know, just, yeah. it, that's another really cool thing is that when you, so I've taken pictures of myself, I posted them on online forums, like, cause I'm a, I'm a generally a pretty skinny and scrawny dude. I've been my entire life, hard gainer. Um, and last year I decided, uh, I wanted to see if I could actually eat 3000 calories a day right. and what difference that would make. Got myself all the way up to 170, I think is what my, what I weighed at, at, by the middle of the summer. Um, and then ended up drop losing all of it basically. And when I got sick over the winter, um, I I lost everything. So now I'm like building back up from scratch, it would seem. But that process of publicly declaring it and proving and telling everybody, this is what I was doing and having people think I'm crazy or whatever. I was just documenting. That's all I was doing. I'm like, I'm treating my body like a science experiment almost, you know? So when I post this picture or when I give an update or when I do these things, it's actually not for you. I'm now providing a database or collection verification almost that it can be done. Yeah. You know, this watch these transformations take place and pay attention to them. So it's, there's so much more than the opinion of other people or how you're seen by other people. There's so many more benefits than there are drawbacks by doing that. Yep. So hundred percent. man. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll do two more. Uh, do you run, and I, I can ask this verbatim because I know what you run. Do you run your Hilleberg with a footprint? Yes, I do. You do? Oh, this is good because I don't. So I want to know, talk to me, talk me through that. Why? So the, so the reason why, um, I bought the underneath, uh, the footprint, um, just as an option. And I figured if I didn't use it, then I could sell it, you know, like it's they're they're, you know, the other people that are using them. So. Um, and then the idea was I wanted to have something that could be so versatile that I could discard what I didn't want and okay. keep what I wanted. So when, when we were up in, um, in the north and we were in the Megatarp, that was my first time, my first experience with the floorless shelter. Right. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. 
So I wanted to be able to recreate that. So by taking out the inner tent from the Hilleberg, yes. uh, you basically have a the same shelter. thing. You have a floor of the shelter. It's perfect. Yeah. And then you can put the inner tent. That's great. Um, and then what I was finding is uh, on one of my other trips, I ended up on um, the inner tent. I was really concerned about it tearing. Okay. Because it didn't, not that it didn't feel that it was durable, but I was, I was camping or I'd set up my tent in a place where there was a lot of sharp stuff all over the place. And I, I had a tarp and I threw it underneath and I had, I said, you know, this is kind of a pain because it was then shifting and moving and doing all this. Stuff. So I had no way of actually pegging it down. So I said, you know, Hilleberg's thought of this already. They already yeah. have that durable, like it's, it's actually significantly more durable that than is, just a tarp. Than the, right. Okay. The, and then and the inner tent and the yes. inner tent. So I said, well, okay, and this is per, this is attached and it's pretty easy to get off if I didn't really need it, you yeah. know. So I just figured, well, what the heck? I'll just buy it and run a couple of trips with it, and I've loved it. I just haven't taken it off yet. Now, if sure. I needed to shave weight, it would be easy. I could gut the entire everything and just have a floorless shelter, and I'm still good to go. Yeah, you know. So that was that was basically the the thing behind it. So that's what I'm. That's why I'm running it that way right now. Yeah, I think that makes total sense, man. I I haven't because I've always tried to. Um, well, I shouldn't say always, but the that particular shelter is exclusively for backcountry use, so it's just it just wouldn't make sense to carry the additional weight. The truck camping tent that I have, the Big Agnes, I think it's called the Big Cabin Four. It's just like a big square brick shit house. Uh, it's huge that I take yeah. my daughter camping in. It has um it has a footprint. And I think it actually helps reduce condensation as well. Um so I you know and I like it. I, I think it's great. For the same you have reason a solo? I have a solo and, and I have a ni a NIAC. Yeah. So I have um the um Nalo the Nalo GT2. Yeah. Uh, so it's a palace for me. And it's now does the footprint go out under the um, goes vestibule? Yeah, it goes past the vest. Yeah, no, it doesn't go past the vestibule. The vestibule is huge. It goes out past the inner tent. So when you get in, does it go? It, does it go in the vestibule? Yes. Okay, that's very interesting. Because that that that's significantly different than just going under the tent itself. Yeah, no. Like it's, now, it's you just, essentially have a whole extended tent area. Correct. Really? Yeah, yeah. You you have it, and it's and it's actually it's nice to keep it, keeping especially your gear with your off kids, right? Because like, yeah, if they had their shoes off and stuff, they're literally like all in that whole area, and you're fine. Yes, exactly. So yeah. that was the that kind of the reason. Now, now, if I, which I'm still considering going down to the Miak. Uh, there's absolutely no reason why I think I would need that. Yeah. This was mostly for like, okay, uh, this, this is, this is a truck camping. Tent, yes. The one that I'm running. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm going to be at the most a day away from the truck yeah. and I'm not really going that far into the back country. So I'm okay carrying a little bit of extra weight. And if it really comes down to it, I could gut the entire inside. And now I have like a, it's, it's not the, um, um, the Kifaru Megatarp. But it's the closest thing that I can get to it. Right. You know, with the floorless shelter. If I got it everything on the inside. Yeah. And just ran it like that. So Yeah. Yeah. That's bad. And weight wise, actually, when you take out the it's actually quite light. Um when you take out the inner tent and the uh 
and there's a lot, it's a lot of space in there. The, the Nalo GT2. It's a big tent, man. That's what Spencer and uh, Tristan were running. Um, when we, um, um, you guys went on your, yeah, we went on the sheep sheep trip. It's a great, it's a great tent, man. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, we're going to skip the next one because I just got a battery warning from my laptop and I got too many things plugged in. So I got a little bit okay. of time, but I, there's a couple things I want to say um, in closing. Um, in British Columbia right now, I won't get into the weeds. They, are, they have introduced a proposal for Unit 7B, the peace region, that would remove caribou hunting completely and it would reduce the allotment of moose by 50% and move all moose hunting to an LEH. And what most people are unaware of is that at the end of January, there was another regulation comment period that is now closed that introduced this harmonization regulation, which was in order to smooth out pressure between 7B, 7A, and 6 they were looking to harmonize the regulations because if they remove opportunity in one area, it just increases pressure in another. And so what people don't realize is that was open for comment and closed before this new thing was open. And so it assume it's going to get passed. Like they don't, that's the thing in Canada. It doesn't need to pass anything. They can do anything they want. No matter how many comments we put in, if the ministry decides to do something, they just do it. That was like the grizzly hunt. Nobody actually, yeah. everybody keeps thinking there was like some referendum and people voted to get rid of grizzlies. That's not what happened. No. There was they no vote. Arbitrarily did it. Arbitrarily, just the, it like, and that's the difference between us and the states. Like they don't have, you have to have referendums for things like that in the yeah. states and people vote. And if you get enough people to show up, you win. And if you don't, you lose. Anyways, yeah. the reason this thing is so important is that they could, if we lose it in 7B, they now have the power, theoretically, to replicate those regulations in 7A and 6. So you could, for in all intents and purposes, yeah. caribou could be gone, and moose, for two-thirds of the province, could be pushed to LEH. So everybody, if you just Google Howl, they are a hunting advocacy group that has come up with a better technological solution to getting your voice heard. And they basically have an app where you enter your information, you enter your name, your email address, where you live, and it will automatically send letters to 86 MLAs. Perfect. And it actually, they have different templates of letters. So when all the letters show up, it's not it's like not it looks like a thousand copy. letters. Yeah. It, they, oh, they all look a little like these guys have been killing it down in the States. A couple of people, um, Ty from Wilderness Locals and Tanner from Frontiersman Gear and Kyle from Wild Sheep Society reached out. Hal said, we got your back. They fired up the app. They created the BC version for it. So A, everybody go to Howl. Everybody fill that out, please. You've got that on your story, I think. I have right? that on my story. That so you can just click the little act now link. The other thing is please go to the government of BC website. Also on my stories. Also wilderness locals is posting this nonstop. So you can go to his link tree or hit, or sorry, the link in his profile or the link in, in my stories. 
and you need to log in with your BC ID and you need to say that you oppose and you need to enter a comment. And if you want, the rationale that you're putting in the comment is that you believe in science-based wildlife management. The argument here is that the hunting rights of a particular band have been infringed upon and so they're going to take away our hunting rights in order to compensate for that. Two problems. There's no data right now proving that those hunting numbers have been reduced. And there are other causes for, if there has been an infringement on hunting rights, it's not because we're hunting too much. It's because right. of overly aggressive resource extraction. Extraction, yeah. Um, so... A, and also, please hang on, go. You, you can also, you don't necessarily need to be a BC resident to do that. And you can don't have to be a hunter. Your wife could do it. Your kids could do it. Like all you need yeah. is a BC ID. So like I did the howl you, thing with the whole family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I yeah. did the BC ID thing because I'd got my dad one for this caribou hunt. Share we're gonna it. Do. So, yeah, share it with other people, you know, yeah. people that are, you know, and this is a great way to increase. Uh, it also helps the hunting community in a really positive way. This shows that you actually care with yeah. conversations that you're having with other people. Like it's not just about, um, you know, I get to go and fill my freezer. This is about um, doing what's right for the, for the, for the, uh, the proper management of the species in this province, you know? Yeah. And so having those conversations are a great way for you to practice even just having those conversations, but it also does a really good thing for the hunting community on the whole uh, by showing the knowledge behind it. So yeah, that's right. That was my, my plug in there. No, thank you. I appreciate that. I just got to switch something because I don't want to lose. Can you still hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you good. Okay. I just had to switch microphones. I plugged in the laptop. I don't want to um, oh yeah. And Greg is hopping on. And if you want to follow Howl on Instagram for any of their links, it's Howl underscore ORG. Next thing I want to point out, Wilderness Locals, Ty has gone and rounded up a shitload of free stuff. So Barclow from Sitco or Barco from Sitka has donated a dew point rain gear system. Um, there's a knife company that's donated a badass knife. There's a hiking pole company from New Zealand that's donated hiking pole. I don't even remember what all else is on there. Check it out on his stories. He's, he's like, he's posting them. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you go, if you go and do these things and then just take screen grabs, you can take those screen grabs, upload them and enter for your chance. We're trying to incentivize people to go do this. Like I think, Obviously, just protecting hunting rights is enough of an incentive, but there's nothing wrong with making it like even a little more attractive. So not only are you doing a thing for a positive thing for the BC hunting community, you could also win some super cool shit at the same time. I've been really impressed with kind of how together like or how... Um, motivated and like the groundswell that's really got a lot of other stuff like comes and goes and people don't really pay attention, but I think they really underestimated how intense this one was. Like you're talking about removing the caribou hunt and reducing the, the moose hunt by up to 50% and moving it all to LEH without any actual scientific basis or 
meaningful consultation period. And it's yeah. just like, this is fucking enough, man. This is people. I mean, this is kind of the, the constant um, narrative of, you know, overreach of power and hoping that nobody really pays attention. Uh, and it's really what to satisfy back to our conversation. Do, what do they really care about? Yeah. Do they, who, who are they trying to impress? Who, who are they trying? Who's in whose eyes are they trying to look good? That's really, I mean, those are the questions that I'm asking going, what is the purpose behind all of this? Cause it's not, it's not serving um, the species. It's not serving the, 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 the communities, the population management. And that's not what it's, it's not solving any problems really. Cause if, if you continue to do that, it just means that you can resource extract even more. That's the only problem it solves is that it allows you to temporarily continue the resource extraction at the intensity that it's currently occurring at. And it buys whoever some time. Right. So it doesn't, I mean, so anyway, without actually getting going on a rant on it, this is why I think at this point and with the advent of social media, and there's been enough good people yourself, wilderness locals, a lot of, you know, people on the ground who are, creating using social media to create the awareness and call to actions so with the incentivizing doing all that stuff and then trying to remove the obstacles for people to actually just go and make their voice heard so if you make it really easy for people to do then likelihood is people are actually going to do it so i think we're just we've found this kind of perfect storm to make to make our voices heard and we need to continue to keep the pressure on and not be discouraged by them continuing to try to pull stuff like this. This isn't new. This is politics. This is, it's all about money and this is all about making themselves look good. So, you know, don't, don't expect that uh, if it, if this happened with the grizzly hunt uh, and it's going to happen here, you know, if they've done it before, they're, they're going to try to do it again. So you're just going to have to continue to fight back and not just take it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Okay, uh, another thing that I want to shout out is that the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia just recently closed, finished their auction. I want to thank everybody who participated. Um, I donated a sleeping bag that was given to me by Sitka, so I, I, I just gave away something that was given to me. So, But I also chipped in a bunch of Mindful Hunter merch, and I think that went for 450 or 425 bucks. So that was super cool. Yeah. I know Tanner from Frontiersman Gear um had a couple knives in there and one crazy knife that ended up going for like 2700 bucks wow. or something so uh, yeah awesome. man work of art i have my order in for my custom hunting knife and it should be done sometime near christmas in 2023 <laughs> uh but well no sorry 2022 Two, okay i got about another 10 eight, 8 to 10 months to go anyways um i want to thank everybody who participated in that it's money that goes to a really good cause. Um, and I wanted to note that the Rocky mountain goat Alliance conservation auction is coming up. I don't know exactly when it's sometime in the next week or two. If you just go to the Rocky mountain goat Alliance, um, Instagram page, you'll figure it out. But a lot of times there's opportunities like, I, I know guys who got thousand dollar taxidermy credits for 750 bucks huh. and the sleeping bag. I, I donated retails for almost $600 Canadian and dude got it for 400 or 450 bucks. Wow. So it's like, not only are you giving money to conservation, but I think there's some 
real legitimate opportunities to get some cool shit for like a deal. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that to, to everybody's attention and let them know that, um, that that was, that that was going on. You got anything you want to know before we wrap things up, man? No, I mean, I'll, I'll just, my, my philosophical nature would just say you play the game the way you practice the games. What are you practicing between now and September or now in August, whenever you're getting, you know, it's just all of a sudden it's March. It's almost the end of March. And next thing you know, it's going to be June. And so, you know, don't wait uh, to level up, level up now. Uh, All of these things, you know, if you're even putting off, um, you know, if you say to yourself, Oh, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go get a BCID tomorrow. Don't do that. You've got, it it won't take you more than five minutes to, to get in there and do that. Now don't put it off till tomorrow. You know, all these little things, they make a difference. How you, you play the game, the way you practice the game. So what are you practicing right now? Love it. Greg is chiming in March 21st to 27th for the auction for the goat Alliance. So that's kicking off next week. Um, all right. As always, if you guys could take a moment, engage with the platform, like comment, share, subscribe, always greatly appreciated. If you want some merch, mindfulhunter.com slash shop. Other than that, as always, thanks for tuning in. And it's always a pleasure, brother. And we'll have to do this one again soon. Absolutely, my friend. Thanks so much for having me on. Have a wonderful evening. You too.